This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Europe is gripped by fears of a war after Russia ordered its troops to march into Ukraine. Here to talk to us about a very tense situation is Ukraine's ambassador to Singapore, Katerina Zelenko. Welcome, Ambassador, and thank you for taking questions from The Straits Times. I wanted to start by asking you about an issue related to Ukraine that seems to be on top of Russian President Vladimir Putin's mind. Now, in a speech on Monday, when he announced that Russia was recognizing the two breakaway provinces of Ukraine as independent republics, Mr. Putin claimed, and I will quote him, Ukraine for us is not just a neighboring country. It is an integral part of our own history, culture, and spiritual space. Ambassador, I'd like to understand the basis of this statement from Mr. Putin. To what extent is he right? Are those historical facts? And what is the view in Ukraine about this shared history between Ukraine and Russia that he's alluding to? Uh, you know, in Ukraine, uh, we say those who don't know their past have no future. Ukrainians know their past and care about their future. Therefore, we examine and analyze our own history based on truth, verified facts, and historical events. There is no denying the fact that um, our Common history includes many illustrative chapters. I'll bring you an example. Um, 1994, the Budapest Memorandum, which was signed, according to which uh, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons in exchange for the security guarantees of other countries. Russia was among them. 20 years later, the guarantor country occupied Crimea and instigated the war in Donbass. You are making a very good point um, referring to the Russian uh, recognition of the so-called proxy republics in the temporarily occupied territories of Ukraine. This is a clear breach of Minsk agreement, uh, but it's also a violation of basic principles of the international law enshrined in the uh, UN Charter. And we will spare no diplomatic effort to achieve a political settlement. Luckily, Ukrainians managed to safeguard their national identity and made their own choice to become a member of the EU and NATO. So there is still a distinction between the facts and others' misreading of the history. Uh, but would you say, to what extent do facts support what Mr. Putin says? Basically, he's saying that Russia and Ukraine share that history to the extent that Russia at least tends to view Ukraine as kin or, you know, very close to it, has some rights to it. Where, how is that aspect of it viewed in Ukraine? No, in Ukraine, we remain committed to our own choice, which we made. And as I already mentioned, uh, Ukrainians know very well mm, about their past. And they know that there cannot be any trust in the words of the country, which violated the international law and uh, never lived up to its commitments. Uh, that is why uh, we just know that we need to protect our country, our territorial integrity, our state sovereignty. And at the end of the day, we are protecting our European future uh, for the sake of the new generation of Ukrainians to come. So you think there is no space for that, no argument to be made about any shared history at all? Well, we can uh, definitely say that there have been different uh, 
episodes in our history where we can say that Ukrainians have learned from their past. And therefore, this is something which is the most important part of it. And I think we really need to refer to the facts and to the principles uh, which uh, lie in the core of the modern uh, being of all um, civilized nations. It means that every country needs to respect the territorial integrity and sovereignty of other countries. And of course, it means to respect the choice which other sovereign countries made, because ultimately it is about our future and it is about the way we are heading for the sake of our country and for the sake of Europe. So if I'm, if I may uh, put it this way, it is the case that Ukraine and Russia perhaps have had that shared history and culture, but the future is for them to carve out and they have to define their own space. Perhaps that's uh, one way that uh, I understand it uh, based on what you just said. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, the two republics that um, which Mr. Putin has given them the status of republics, but these are, from Ukraine's point of view, rebel-controlled areas since at least 2014. Uh, how important are these two areas, Donetsk and Luhansk, to Ukraine and to its economy? Um, you know, um, it is important to understand that uh, Ukrainian citizens reside on both sides of the contact line. And this is our uh, ultimate goal and our absolute priority to um, make sure that uh, there is peace, security, and well-being of these people. That is why we do anything possible on the path of diplomacy in order to reach um, sustainable progress in ensuring that um, on every or in every corner of uh, uh, Ukraine, there is stability, and people can be sure that their children, their families, can feel safe. And there is a ceasefire, and, and there is clear prospect for their development and for their establishing their lives in the way they want to. Fair point, Ambassador. We've read about these two areas as being quite critical to Ukraine's economy in the sense that they form a part of Ukraine's industrial heartland. Uh, is that accurate? Well, we only need to imagine that uh, these territories um, have been under fire since 2014. So we can only imagine the precarious situation with infrastructure, with logistics, with uh, water supplies. This is everything which must be done as soon as we achieve the peace and uh, sustainable ceasefire. You talked about uh, Ukraine, the mood back home. Can you tell us what is it now? Is there nervousness? You know, in Ukraine, everyone is aware of the existing threats. Everyone knows uh, what the enemy is capable of. Uh, as I already mentioned, we've been at war since 2014. However, in the current tense situation, Ukrainian citizens and business entities remain calm and continue to perform their daily activities. Due to the crisis management efforts by Ukraine's government, and thanks to the increased support from our partners, uh, the situation is now under control. And in fact, you will not feel a lot of panic or anxiety among uh, people in Ukraine because they know that we need to stay vigilant and this is something which unites the nation. So it's vigilance more than mm -hmm. nervousness at this point. 
Yes, I would say it. Does Ukraine feel that the pushback from the US and Europe has been strong enough? Uh, because initially there was, there seemed to be some hesitation in even characterizing this as an invasion. Although, although you say Russia has already been in uh, Ukraine since 2014 when it um, sent troops and occupied uh, Crimea. So West is now describing what's going on, the Russian moves as the beginning of an invasion. Are you satisfied with that assessment? It is important to say that we remain committed to the diplomatic solution and escalation based on the international law, based on respect of Ukraine's sovereignty and its territorial integrity in the internationally recognized borders. And in this regard, we appreciate deterrence measures, including sanctions provided by our partners to prevent the new wave of uh, escalation. Uh, as I already said, due to the support of uh, um, our partners, it has been possible to um, take the situation under control. And of course, it is important to say that Ukraine is a peaceful nation. And as a peaceful nation, we are committed to working together with our partners who have already delivered a lot. But we know that we still need to pursue the way of diplomacy in order to bring Russia back from the brink because it is now crucial to ensure not only the safety and security of the people on the ground, but also uh, to make sure that the whole security architecture of Europe is safe and secure. So would you say that in terms of what's been announced so far, and you referenced the sanctions, uh, and Mr. Biden in his speech also spoke about mobilizing and deploying some um, military troops within Europe, so do you think the sum of those measures at the moment is enough to stop Mr. Putin in his tracks? I think that the further uh, steps uh, by Russia will, uh, to some extent, depend on how the world reacts. And we have already seen the first reaction uh, from our partners. We have seen the decision of Germany to suspend the certification of the pipeline project Nord Stream 2. It means that our partners are really committed to making tough decisions in these difficult times. It is crucial. We appreciate it. And we keep on working uh, in order to achieve more progress. Our ultimate goal is peace, escalation, withdrawal of Russian troops, stability and safety of Ukraine and Europe. Draw your attention to what Mr. Putin said Tuesday overnight our time. So he said, uh, and probably it's not the first time he said it, he said, Ukraine does not have the right to its sovereignty. And he has also suggested that the solution to this crisis is that Ukraine announced that it will not join NATO. Is that an acceptable stance for Ukraine? You know, um, we speak a lot about the red lines for the Russian Federation, for its leadership. I think it is a high time to speak about um, the boundaries for Ukraine, for Europe, uh, for free democracies. Uh, which may never be crossed. And if it comes to the uh, protection of the state sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine, as well as its European choice, then this is the issue or the red line which we will not allow to be crossed. That is why we keep working with our partners. We have set on diplomacy 24-7 in order to achieve peace and escalation are uh, based on the international law and uh, with full regard to the internationally recognized borders.
just to be sure I'm understanding this uh, this correctly, uh, Ambassador, you're saying that this is like a red line and uh, a statement that Ukraine will not join NATO is like a red line, is like Ukraine's own red line? Um, you know, we are not prepared to allow others to say which direction we should move, which way we should head. This is a sovereign choice of every country. And uh, you have probably seen many statements delivered yesterday by many nations across the globe who also uh, stressed that the free choice of every sovereign state to choose the way they want to go and to choose the vision these countries want to provide for the future generations. This is something which uh, is um, the good right of every country. And we also build on that because Ukraine as a sovereign state has already uh, showcased that we um, only have the choice of protecting our country and of moving toward Europe. This is a choice which we have made. This is the choice for which we have been fighting since 2014. We have already lost 14,000 people in this war. And it means that our country is committed to fully achieving the peace, safety, and uh, um, a safe future for the generations to come. Let's talk about China's response so far. So China is, of course, your largest trading partner. And in this UN Security Council debate that took place yesterday, uh, China, of course, supported Ukraine's rights to its territorial integrity. And at the same time, it also spoke about Russia's legitimate security concerns. Was that disappointing to Ukraine? Um, as you already mentioned, uh, my country is indeed an important trade partner of China. Of course, I have the privilege to serve as ambassador of Ukraine to Singapore. And uh, I can say from my perspective, being here and speaking on behalf of all Ukrainians living um, on all continents across the globe, that every Ukrainian would appreciate, first of all, every nation's contribution to the diplomatic solution and escalation uh, based on uh, international law. That's why we all need to understand that uh, as the security situation remains tense, it is vital now to continue steadfast support of Ukraine. And that is what we would really appreciate as a contribution from every country on every continent of the world. In that case, what reassurance or help would you like to see coming from China? Anything further? I can speak as ambassador of Ukraine to Singapore. We have uh, seen Singapore's position um, stated on its um, comments of the spokesperson. And uh, this is something which is crucial now to see support for Ukraine's territorial integrity and state sovereignty. That's what we expect from every, from every country, because this is a real contribution to the diplomatic solution and de-escalation. Today, we see that everything which is going on in Ukraine and around Ukraine is not only about Ukraine's um, territorial integrity and sovereignty, because the threat to one imperils the security of all. And uh, we need to uh, realize that in our globalized, it is important to protect the principles of international law. And I think one of the strongest uh, signals of support, uh, and you referenced it earlier, is what has come from Germany, in that it has frozen uh, the Nord Stream 2 project. Uh, how does Ukraine look at that? 
We welcome the decision of the German government to suspend the certification process of Nord Stream 2. We uh, realize that um, difficult times demand tough decisions. And um, uh, this is a clear example of leadership and understanding that um, it is not only about Ukraine, it is about the energy security of Europe. And of course, if we speak about energy security, it is also critical to Ukraine's independence. That's why together with our partners, we work on the ways how to get uh, reliable sources of energy, but also to efficiently produce affordable energy with special focus on uh, sustainability. And um, we all um, have seen that achieving long-term energy security in Europe will rely on success in Ukraine as important player within European energy network. Reliable transit of natural gas for Ukraine is essential for uh, European energy security. Am I right, Ambassador, yes. that Ukraine uh, does import gas itself, although it, it does have enormous gas reserves in itself? Uh, I believe the second largest, perhaps, after Russia on Europe. So uh, I was wondering, are there any plans to tap that? Are you in talks with any country to explore, perhaps with China? Of course, you're absolutely right. Um, we um, need to take care of it. And um, I can inform you that uh, in Ukraine, the energy strategy for the period until 2035 has been hammered out, uh, which foresees, uh, for example, um, optimization and innovative development of uh, energy infrastructure and ensuring uh, sustainable development of the sector in the long run. Uh, we also need to take into account that um, EU integration is one of the main priorities of Ukrainian foreign policy. And this energy strategy foresees um, also adoption of relevant uh, legislation to integrate the European network of transmission system operators for electricity under the third energy package of the EU. So uh, we have already taken steps and, and measures are aimed at securing our energy independence because we all have seen that the energy independence and the sovereignty of many European states are sometimes indivisible. Uh, exactly. So Russia, for instance, currently supplies over 40% of what Europe, European Union consumes as uh, for its fuel needs. Now, um, I was wondering, given Ukraine's own gas reserves, do you at some point envisage your, uh, Ukraine as fulfilling the role that Russia is, has been carrying out, so Ukraine could become the prime source of gas to Europe? We are anyway uh, working on that. We realize that due to the unique geopolitical and geostrategic location of Ukraine, it is important to um, find a way to get reliable sources of energy, but also to efficiently produce affordable energy. And this is something which um, Ukraine is already doing. Anyway, we need to um, uh, take other measures and go forward, move forward on this, ta uh, this ta uh, path. Um, and there is still a long way. Um, however, it is our utmost priority to work sustainably, reimagining the nature and its resources so that uh, we can really achieve a long-term energy security, not only for Ukraine, but also for Europe. Right. In terms of economy 
And given the war clouds on the horizon or perhaps a long, dragged out, tense situation, are you bracing for a big shock on the Ukrainian economy? And do you expect Western Europe to also come out uh, with aid on that front? You're absolutely right. The non-military dimension uh, of foreign aggression can also cause significant harm to the Ukraine's economy. However, as I mentioned, um, our business entities remain calm, continue to perform their um, daily activities, and um, uh, we remain in close contact with our partners to explore new ways of uh, uh, additional support to ensure stability in Ukraine and um, to strengthen its resilience. So this is something which is very important now to stay calm, uh, not to so panic, because we realize that um, it is also one of the factors which can undermine Ukraine's uh, stability. We cannot allow it nowadays as the situation is tense. That is why we really try to work with our partners in order to ensure um, and to uh, get new options how to additionally support Ukraine to give uh, extended financial support for our country so that it can really strengthen its uh, resilience efforts. So we are on a good path. So at this point, there are uh, mm-hmm. no large concerns about, say, things like food and essential supplies within Ukraine. I mean, at times like this, quite often there's a run on banks and, you know, people try to hoard. So are you seeing situation of that sort in Ukraine? Of course, uh, we are not downplaying the risks. Uh, we realize that um, it would only play in the hands of uh, the aggressor country if Ukraine is destabilized. Uh, economic stability is one of the most important pillars in this regard. That's why it is really our utmost priority, along with the security issues, to provide economic stability for the country. Yes, of course, it is a hard time for everyone. But as I told you, we see all business entities to work as usual. And um, I would not say that situation is uh, um, like the stance of panic. No, it is not. It is more um, a situation in which the country, which has been attacked by the neighboring uh, state is uh, really trying to strengthen its resilience and to find every possible way to remain strong. And of course, it is not possible without support provided by our partners. We appreciate it greatly. Is the coronavirus a concern in Ukraine at this time? In fact, this is um, still a challenge. There is a, a high incidence of uh, coronavirus infections in Ukraine. Um, vaccination is um, an urgent issue, and we are on the good way with that. Um, at least half of the uh, Ukrainian population has been already vaccinated. Uh, at the initial stage of vaccination, uh, an active information campaign was underway uh, to educate the population about the safety of vaccines and to persuade people to get vaccinated. Uh, so as for now, we see that um, we're on the good path and so we uh, can ensure that uh, very soon we will see not such high numbers of uh, new infections in Ukraine. However, 
everyone should realize that the security and safety of one person is crucial to the safety of all people in its environment. We still understand that we need to move forward with uh, the vaccination process, and there are already good prospects for um, achieving uh, good results. Um, you must be in touch with, uh, well, obviously your friends and family back home, and and it's good you've you've told us that it's basically vigilance more than uh, fear, which is being felt in Ukraine at this point. And here in Singapore as well, we have a thriving Ukrainian community. What what is the mood like here? What are you hearing from them? You know, Ukrainians uh, in Singapore are mostly um, younger people. Uh, we are in contact with them. We try to support each other in this challenging time. Of course, many of them are really uh, worrying about their families, their loved ones uh, back home. And uh, we um, realized that, that we really need to keep calm and support Ukraine from Singapore. Uh, we try to uh, be in contact on the social media uh, to exchange views on um, what can be done and what is the mood. Um, we have around 400 Ukrainians in Singapore currently, and I'm really proud of them. And they have been vocal about the need to support Ukraine in this challenging time. So what is your one message that you might wish them to hear from you? I would say that the best message I can send is Please keep calm and support Ukraine. Okay, thank you, Ambassador. Thank you for these sharing these thoughts with us. Uh, please stay safe and thank you once again. Thank you. Thanks. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.